Welcome to the Wellverse Podcast from Vintage Church. This is Season 2, Episode 7. My name is Jasmine Denton. And I'm Matt Smith. And we are getting very close to the end of this season. Only a couple episodes left. And we hope that along the way, you have benefited from all the things that we have talked about. If you have not watched the previous episodes, I would really encourage you to kind of jump in to set some context, especially as we move further into the New Testament, because we have said as we've approached this subject, and if you haven't joined us, we've been walking through the women of scripture and for us to properly view what we're going to lean into today, it does take a kind of a holistic view of scripture. And so those first couple episodes especially kind of set the tone and set the lens through which we've been looking as we have tried to unpack how God has been using men and women in his story and in the purposes of his church from the onset. Yeah. So we finished up last week moving through the gospels. We moved pretty quickly. So in yeah. no way do you need to think that we have exhausted the the list of women in the Bible. And what I hope, and Matt has taught me this, sometimes you have to leave what he calls meat on the table. And uh, there are, we could have spent a whole season of just how Jesus interacts with women Mm -hmm. in his ministry um, when, you know, while he was here on earth. And I just encourage people as you read through the gospels, Pay attention, Don't not just pay attention to how Jesus interacts with women, but the stories that he tells about women, how when he speaks in parables that he uses, you know, both a, a male or a female, um, you know, person in the story uh, and just to pay attention. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, that's what this season is offering us the opportunity to do. Uh, I think you pointed out a couple episodes ago, like when you're buying a truck, you know, you're, you want to buy a Tacoma and then the only truck that you can see is the Tacoma, <laughs> right, you know? Right. that We hope that this is what this type of conversation is doing for you is it's just heightening your awareness to see what has always been there. Uh, and Because I think sometimes we have a tendency to see what we've been told to pay attention to. Mm. And and so I, th- I think this is a really great opportunity for us to, to highlight women. And like you said, we're, we're moving into the book of Acts, into the women in the early church. And, you know, here we are coming out of a series uh, called On the Other Side at our church, moving through the book of Acts. And you've, you know, talked not just in the series, but throughout the course of our church, that our church was birthed in your heart through the book of Acts. Mm. And I'm just putting you on spot here a little bit, but how did you see at that point, like women playing a role in this this idea of church? Or had you always seen women playing significant roles in church? Yeah, I, I have always seen that. And again, uh, what you just mentioned, talking about the whole Tacoma thing is, uh, the part of the reason why we wanted to do this podcast is because so many people in our church and so many people in our community and culture, they, they've kind of, kind of been in their own little denominational bubbles. And your perspective on women in ministry, what women can and cannot do, their roles and all that kind of stuff is so tethered to that experience. And so trying to put some fresh eyes on this, but it's true for me as well. Like I grew up in a tradition that has always uh, elevated women to places of leadership. Uh, the denomination that that I grew up in was one of the first to ordain women. Uh, plus in my own home, I have a very uh, 
powerful woman uh, and my mom who was a very entrepreneur, businesswoman and that kind of stuff. And so uh, as I was reading through the book of Acts, I didn't, it, it wasn't the way that women are used in the book of Acts that kind of jumped off the page to me because I had always seen that. It was other things about the, the church in the book of Acts that kind of more struck something in my spirit that I wanted to see represented in our church. But what I'd seen and how I'd seen women play significant roles in leadership is something that I was one thing that we got right mm. in, in my church experience. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a denomination that did not uh, affirm women in leadership roles outside of maybe directing the choir or teaching a Sunday school class, uh, certainly not in any sort of named leadership position. And uh, so reading through the book of Acts definitely has impacted the way that I see uh, women fulfilling their they're calling, using their gifting mm-hmm. right alongside men uh, that it didn't seem like it mattered their gender as much mm. as their willingness to obey God and to use what God had given them in a way of bringing his kingdom here on earth. Mm. And, you know, so, you know, where you saw this growing up, I didn't. And it wasn't really until late in my high school years and then in college, um, I went to a Christian college and uh, that denomination ordained women and uh, affirmed women in leadership where I actually saw like, oh my gosh, like people are, women are able to fulfill their call in not just like directing the kids ministry Uh, and so this has been a, a really fascinating uh, learning opportunity for me. And, uh, and I hope, you know, no matter where, where you are on this spectrum, how you grew up, I hope that all of it is just sort of inviting you to open your, open your hands, open your mind a little bit, not to let your brains spill out, but to really engage mm. your mind and, and your spirit in, in what the text actually says and, and not trying to read sort of our, our modern day tradition wherever we grew up in mm. into it. So, yeah. Yeah, and you know, this episode and probably our, our next episode, we'll, we'll dive into a little bit more of the tensions that still yeah. exist even in our own culture, even we've experienced in our own church about, you know, what women are or aren't quote unquote allowed to do. And there are some verses that we'll, we'll need to get into that Paul says that seem pretty harsh. But again, you know, I repeat something that I say to people often that you don't look at the entire Bible through a handful of verses. You look at that handful of verses through the entire Bible. And in order to come to a, a appropriate conclusion about how they apply and why they were said, and even, even knowing why God said what he said is important to how we apply it. But, you know, as we, as we move into the book of Acts, and again, uh, the people that are in leadership in the book of Acts are these, these people who had been with Jesus. And so Jesus had been shaping all of their ideals. You know, one of the things that we have to continue to remind ourselves is we don't have uh, an exhaustive account of all that Jesus taught 
his disciples. John says, if we wrote down all the things that Jesus did and all the things that Jesus said, there wouldn't be enough books to even contain it. Now we have all that we need and we can't ever presume that Jesus said or did something that would be contrary to what we know he did and said. But as we mentioned in the previous episode, Jesus was constantly pushing the boundaries of what was culturally normal in interactions between men and women from the woman at the well and that encounter to, you know, we talked about Mary and Martha and women sitting at his feet, this position of sitting as a disciple, the the title of rabbi used by Mary. And so, you know, that spills into the book of Acts. And if you write off the beginning, if we want to go ahead and go yeah, there, go. Acts chapter one, uh, where I would start is as Pentecost, as they're waiting for the Holy Spirit, the disciples have gathered um, under Jesus' instructions because Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, but wait, wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. And if you go to Acts chapter one, and we'll start with uh, verse 12. It says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, uh, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They were all continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. That, that's significant that in the space where the Holy Spirit was gonna be given, there were women. Obviously, Mary, the mother of Jesus is named, but in this space, awaiting what was needed to be significant in continuing the church that Jesus desired, there were both men and women. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that Luke points it out. Mm. I think if the women were there just like tending house, you know, just making sure the floors were swept and that mm-hmm. the people were fed, I don't know that Luke would have seen it as significant enough to mention that they were there. Mm. Because that's, you know, when we think of like what women were expected to do, like, what, what sort of expected doesn't always just get highlighted, you know? Like that would have just been a background character, or just something that's, you know, happening. Like nobody ever talks about did the disciples go to the bathroom because we just assume that that happens, you know? Um, but the fact, <laughs> we don't, they don't say it. Yes, um, I'm sure they did. I'm sure that they did, you know, because that's a function of our humanity. But that Luke found it, significant enough to mention that the women were there, that they weren't just there to take care of the men, but they were there. They were there in prayer. They were there active in in ministry. They are named because they were present in the ministry of what was happening uh, in, in the church at that time. And, you know, then that, I think if Luke had failed to mention that, then what Peter preaches at Pentecost wouldn't make sense. Mm. Because what he does in Peter's sermon is he he quotes from the prophet Joel. Right. And he talks about that the spirit would be poured out on sons and daughters. Mm. Yeah. And had, had Luke not mentioned or seen or known that women were actively present in what was happening there, the, the prophecy would not be properly fulfilled, mm. you know? Yeah. It would just be like, well, God poured out his spirit on the men and the women were were just there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think I think that plays a, a pivotal uh, connection point there that the women were there and God's spirit was poured out on 
all of them. And I think one of the, re- there's a lot of reasons why Peter quotes Joel, but I think the reason why he needed to is because, you know, when the Holy Spirit falls and they start speaking in all these other tongues, it's freaking people out. Right. And I think one of the reasons Peter points this out is because it, wa- it wasn't just the men speaking. It was also the women speaking. Mm-hmm. And that's why he comes, let me, cause he's trying to say, let me explain to you what's happening here. Peter's trying to unpack for those that are paying attention and are starting to get freaked out and a little confused that what you're witnessing is what God has promised, prophesied, foretold would happen. That men and women now speaking in this way are it's happening because God said it would. And, it, and it, let's just read it. It's, it's uh, mm-hmm. Acts chapter two. If you start with, I won't start with verse 14, but if you, yeah, let's start with verse sure. 14. Uh, it's Acts two fourteen, And uh, if you're listening or watching with us, we're reading, I think we're both reading from the CSB. Mm-hmm. It says, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let this be known to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will dream dreams and your old men, your, oh, excuse me, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I will pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to say, on, I think some people think on that day, the women were just sitting there silent as Peter and... James and John were rattling off all these things and speaking in these tongues of fire and all this stuff. Right. But no, it was the women too. And mm-hmm. that's why Peter had to say, you're, what you're seeing happen among these men and these women mm-hmm. is what was prophesied hundreds of years before through the prophet Joel. Right. And we, we can assume that these women continued to minister as, as the church began to grow right. uh, in in all kinds of ways. We don't have, go ahead. Well, and, and, and here's some people, again, this is a thing we've tried to point out multiple times throughout this podcast is, cause I'll hear people say, well, why isn't there things in the book of Acts about Mary Magdalene or about, you know, Joanna or Susanna or these other people that we've mentioned? Well, there's also not a lot about Bartholomew. Right. Or Thomas. Or Nathaniel. Or Nathaniel <laughs> in the book of Acts. So I right. mean, just because they're not mentioned here, again, this is written by Luke and Luke was with Paul. And right. so he, his experience, it was limited to his experience and God chose to share his experience with the world. Mm-hmm. So there, just because they're, isn't reference of these women doing specific things or grand grand things doesn't mean it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that goes back to the Apollos. Yeah, you know, comment that you made for, the, sure. for the last couple of episodes. Just because there's not a lot of verses or even a verse, we can't assume that what's written in scripture was all that was going on at the time. Right, and I think we do have a tendency to think of it that way. That we see this very. Like, okay, well, this is what was happening in Jerusalem at that time. Well, there was a lot of things happening in Jerusalem well, remember, and the world at that time. On the other side of Pentecost, there were some that stayed in Jerusalem. Right. Um, but there were many, I mean, we have the book of Romans. Paul writes to Rome because mm-hmm. the Roman church who he never visited, he didn't plant, was started by people that were there on the day of Pentecost, journeyed back to Rome and birthed this church. Mm-hmm. And we don't know who specifically was their leadership, but it's interesting that 
Phoebe, and we'll get to that mm-hmm. at some point, mm-hmm. is the one that brings Paul's letter mm-hmm. to the Roman church. And the one who brought it would have often been the one who read it. And so the one who reads perhaps the most significant book of the New Testament in all of church history, mm-hmm. Romans is what spurred the Reformation, Right, was read by a woman to its original hearers. Just like, let that sink in a minute. Right. Well, and we will get definitely more in, right. into Phoebe. Sorry, but no, ahead. no, 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 that's okay. Because what that brings up is, yes, so the gospel spread. And people carried uh, this good news of Jesus all over. And Rome was one of those places. And there was a couple who lived in Rome named Priscilla and mm-hmm. Aquila. And this couple, uh, during the, the rule of the emperor Claudius, he actually dispelled all of the Jews from Rome. And Priscilla and Aquila are two of those people who we learn in um, Acts 18 mm. that they they left Rome because there was an edict saying all the Jews have to get out. And we can safely assume that they were converted while in Rome uh, to uh, following the way of Jesus. And it's so it's very possible that they were some of the first hearers mm. of what had happened on the day of Pentecost because all of this sort of happened at the same time. Right. And so um, I think that might be a good jumping off point to talk about Priscilla. Mm-hmm. You wanna go? Go ahead. Okay, so like I said, we know from Acts chapter 18, if you wanna go there, We'll read uh, verses one through four, and it will introduce us to Priscilla and her husband, Aquila. Verse one says, after this, he, Paul, left Athens and went to Corinth, where, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all of the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. Mm. So that was the introduction. Uh, Like I just said, they'd been dispelled from Rome, and which was the impetus for the divide in the Roman church, which is what Paul, that's why he wrote to the Romans at all, was Mm. because there was this division between non-Jewish Christians and Jewish Christians. Right. Um, and that had happened during that time when, well, there were no Jews. So it was just all of the the Gentile Christians. And then when the Jews came back into town, there was so much division in the way that they thought they should be following Jesus. And that's why Paul wrote that letter at all. Yeah. And so Priscilla and Aquila were, were part of that. They saw that. Um, so they... They meet up with Paul or Paul meets them in Corinth. They were tent makers mm-hmm. by trade and they traveled with Paul. We can, uh, we can keep reading if you want to. Uh, in verse 18, mm-hmm. it says, uh, after staying for some time, Paul said farewell to the brothers and sisters and sailed away to Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. He shaved his head at, do you say that Centre? That's the way I say it. Okay, we'll go with that. Because of a vow he had taken. 
When they reached Ephesus, he left them there, talking about Priscilla and Aquila, but he himself entered the synagogue and debated with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he declined, but said farewell and added, I'll come back to you again if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. Then you can skip down to verse 24. It says, now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was competent in the use of the scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he only knew John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. So we see that Priscilla and Aquila join Paul on his next journey. They end up in Ephesus mm. and they stay there. And Paul leaves to, to go somewhere else. So the, the places that we know where Priscilla and Aquila were, according to the scriptures, we know that they were in Rome. Uh, we know this in a couple of places, both in Acts and in Romans. We also know that they were in Corinth with Paul and they were in Ephesus right. with Paul. Um, and we see there are several things that at first glance you can read past and not pay much attention to, but there are a few things of significance that if you understand uh, Roman, the culture in the Roman, Greco-Roman world at the time, um, would have turned a few heads mm. in uh, in this day and age. Uh, the first being the the way that their names are listed. Uh, that's something that we don't pay a lot of attention to. And oftentimes, because we're sort of like a ladies first culture, mm. um, we look at that as a way of saying like, you know, oh, we, we're gonna honor that woman or, you know, like ladies first to go in because, you know, the, the whole gentlemanly thing is to let the woman go. Mm. This was not that culture. No. Uh, the man would have gone first. And most of the time, um, from what I read, like from thousands and thousands of name, like couplings that have been studied during this time period, 98% of the time, the man comes first. Yeah. Um, when the woman comes first, it's because she is of a higher position. She is a more significant person. Maybe um, she has a higher social standing than, uh, than her husband, but it is very rare. And so when it happens, we have to pay attention and we have to ask, why mm. is Priscilla listed first? Yeah, and, and, and it seems that she, she had this a significant maturity in her faith mm -hmm. uh, to the point where she was very involved in leadership in the church. And even in this relationship as Priscilla and Aquila uh, are discipling Apollos and helping correct some of the things that, and, and it, it, even the verses that you just read, Apollos obviously loved Jesus, was passionate about the gospel, but had not been exposed to all the right things just yet. And so they kind of, they. It's, it's really beautiful in just a few sentences how they, they pull him aside. And, and you know, uh, I want to read, I want to read it again. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 26 of chapter 18 of Acts says, he began to speak boldly in a synagogue after Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. Mm. That there was something in, in what he said that they needed to say, 
to kind of shore up a little bit, yeah. to help him better understand. And so there was this very intentional discipleship. And I have this picture in my mind of them pulling him aside and Priscilla mm-hmm. being the one that says, Apollos, that was awesome. I love your passion for Jesus, but there's some things that we need to, to just kind of calibrate a little bit in, mm-hmm. in what you said. And, you know, one of the things that when, when Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned from folks that fall in more of the line of, you know, yes, women do play a role, but there's a role they can play and there's a role that they cannot play. Mm-hmm. And even of all the things that we've mentioned so far, mm-hmm. a lot of people would argue, oh, of course, men and women both have the Holy Spirit. Of course, men and women are both gifted by the Holy Spirit to contribute to God's kingdom. But how they're gifted and the way that they're gifted are, are very different. And the way that women are gifted and the way that men are gifted, just because of their because they're men and women is different. Uh, that's not where I fall. Uh, and I think we think in that mindset based on the few verses that we'll eventually get to. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Priscilla and Aquila, well, Priscilla and Aquila were able to do something because they were married. But if you take away Aquila, then Priscilla would not have been allowed to do that, that she was serving under the authority of her husband and as a couple, but had she been a single woman, blah, 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 blah. And again, that to me is is adding on mm-hmm. to scripture and not bringing out the scripture. That's that whole, you know, and one of the things that frustrated Paul the most was not the the watering down of scripture, but the weighing down of the gospel Mm -hmm. that really frustrated him. When Paul was most frustrated by what was happening in his culture, it wasn't when people were taking away things from the gospel. Mm -hmm. It was when people were adding things that didn't need to be added. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of those things is you're projecting this idea, not really rooted in anything biblical in my opinion, but rooted in the interpretation of some other things. So you have to find a way to justify that position and you see a woman doing something super significant here. And the only way to explain it when you've taken a hard line of no women can't do this mm-hmm. uh, is to say, well, because she was married and she was serving under the authority of her husband, then she was allowed to do that. Right. But if that was the case, if she was serving under the authority right. of her husband, he would be named first. Right. And, right. you know, and even how he's introduced, uh, but it even says, still, that provision is not in those verses that people that use. It doesn't say, I don't allow women to have, teach or have authority to be uh, over a man unless she's married. Right. So. Correct. You're, you're still adding things that aren't there. If it's that hard line, it's that hard line. Mm-hmm. Unless there's exceptions and provisions that. Right. Put that, those lines in context. Right. Well, and even the word, um, that Luke uses, he says, after Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside. Mm. If it was like they invited them into his home or into their home Mm. and Aquila instructed, no, they together instructed. And, And again, like this goes back to what we see, this example of men and women together operating in, in the mode of, their their gifting and their their knowledge their education whatever it is side by side mm-hmm. without reg- like without regard to hierarchy mm-hmm. i mean and, and you could even argue apollos who is a very compelling teacher all kinds of people came to faith in jesus because of his ministry we don't we don't see that 
Like that's not said of Priscilla and Aquila. Right. right. And so even then, like Apollos could have been like, yeah, I'm like, look at all of my people. Yeah. I'm good. Mm. But his willingness to submit to their teaching. Yeah, for um, sure. and, and very possibly Priscilla's more predominantly than, than Aquila's. Mm. Um, we also know that they led a house church in Rome. Mm. Um, so if you wanna look at Romans 16, so we know then that Priscilla and Aquila eventually go back to Rome uh, because when Paul writes to them, and I did, of course I didn't put the verse, here we go. Verse three, uh, it says, give my greetings to Prisca, which is a, uh, like a, a form of Priscilla. Uh, give my greetings to Prisca and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, but so do all the Gentile churches. Greet also the church that meets in their home. And so we know at some point, both Priscilla and Aquila risk their life for Paul. We don't know, we don't know what that is. We, I mean, we can make all kinds right. of guesses. Right. Um, but the way that he calls them co-workers, mm. not one over the other, but together. And Paul calls many people his co-laborers, his co-workers. And I don't, I don't see that Paul saw a hierarchy of one of them you know, that doesn't seem to No, that the men would have been a more of a co-laborer mm-hmm. than, than the and women. He doesn't say my co-laborer Aquila and his wife Priscilla. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and Romans 16 is one of those that's chock full. Yes. Of, and understanding too. And, and again, I don't know how much we want to get in this between these two episodes that, you know, when we see Paul writing in Corinthians, um, you know, the, understanding that the context between what's happening in Rome and even what's happening in Corinth, yeah. very, very different what's happening in those two churches and in those two places. Mm-hmm. And, and so some of the things he says is very culturally driven to both of those. Mm-hmm. But it, even if you step up a few verses from what you just read, uh, Romans 16, one, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church. Mm-hmm. That word servant mm-hmm. is the same word that's used for deacon when Paul starts unpacking qualifications for deacons. And it seems like mm-hmm. he would have not included Phoebe based on the criteria he gives Timothy, yeah. but yet he uses the same word. Yeah. It's the same it's Greek word. It's the exact word. same word. And some people say like, well, it might be feminine. Well, he's talking, about a, he's talking about a woman anyway. But it's not. It's yeah. the general, it's like right. the general masculine form right. of deacon. Yeah. It's the same word. Yeah. And, it, and it's Phoebe, again, this, this one who is thought to be the carrier yeah. of this letter. And he very much celebrates her. He says, so you should welcome her in the Lord in a matter worthy of the saints mm. and assist her in whatever she may require and however she may require your help. For indeed, she has been a benefactor of many and of me also. Mm -hmm. So apparently this Phoebe was like a significant person in the movement. And he's saying, welcome her, give her whatever she needs, do whatever you need to do for her, whatever she asks of you, do it. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty big. Yes. Pretty big. So there's, you know, as you're talking about Priscilla and Aquila, right in that very same chapter of Romans, you see, Paul mentioning another standout female Mm -hmm. in the advancement of the gospel and the growing of the church. And, you know, there's other women 
in the book of Acts too that we never got to. You know, one of my favorites is how the church at Philippi is born and oh, Lydia yeah. and her- Her household. Her household and mm-hmm. her role. And she seems to be the one that's leading the charge. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the church at Philippi is built on the back of Lydia's influ- influence. There's no question about it. Right. Without her influence- mm-hmm. I don't want to say that church wouldn't exist, but God yeah. chose to leverage her influence, her entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. her wealth, mm-hmm. and and her ability to bring people in yeah. to build that church. Right. Well, I mean, even if you just, without getting into it a whole lot, in Philippi, between the book of Acts and the book of Philippians and the letter to the Philippians, there we know five named people mm. from Philippi. We know Lydia, we know Epaphroditus, we know uh, Euodia and Syntyche and Clement. Mm-hmm. Three of the five people that we that are named are women. Yeah. And we could be like, well, yeah, but two of them were like, yeah. <laughs> but it was significant enough to where like, no, these are, these are leaders. Yeah. And, and the reason why Paul's trying to squelch the kind of tension that's happened between two of them is because he's like, y'all gotta quit arguing with each other because you need to lead well. Because you're, le- yeah, you're yeah. leaders. Yeah. Get it together, 100%. you know? If they were just squabbling about, you know, whose garden was bigger, yeah. this would not be a thing. It would not have been included if, in the letter. Or if their tension wasn't becoming an issue because, in other words, when there's tension among leaders, that's when the church is most vulnerable. And I think the reason why he calls them out is because he's like, ladies, we need your leadership and you can't lead well if y'all are fighting and, and arguing with one another. And so yeah. there's just no question as we watch the church birthed yep. that multiple times we see God highlight in his word, uh, significant roles, significant contributions made by some pretty pretty awesome ladies. Yeah. Well, we'll continue this conversation in the next episode of Women in the Early Church. But until then, we hope that you are subscribed. I always mess up that word. (laughs) And that you're following us in all of the places. Also, we would really love to hear your feedback. One, it encourages us, not to asking you just for a pat on the back, but it encourages us to know what you're learning, uh, something that you're taking away, maybe an insight that you have learned in your own study of scripture, maybe a question that you have uh, that, you know, all of this is bringing up some, maybe some uncomfortable places. I hope that you don't run from that place of discomfort too quickly. Talk to us about it. We love having those kinds of conversations. You can email Matt, Matt at vintagechurch.net. I'll take it, bring bring it. His his name is a lot easier. It won't to spell be the first mind. time that I've had to answer some tough questions on this subject. But let us hear from you yeah. again. Uh, share it on social media as oh, yeah. as you're watching and things are striking you in a way that you want to let other people know uh, what we're learning here together. And we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Bye.